0: Yo, what is up? Yeah, you're back.
1: Hey, welcome everyone. It's been a long week. Yeah, been long. So,
0: if we miss some news tonight, obviously put something in the chat. But we're gonna miss some stuff, so don't be mad. Um, that's just the nature of the beast. You can't Um, get it all. But we did. We did. I mean, other than NBA playoffs starting and NHL playoffs starting, which is all that matters. For all white males on planet earth um we had the the dnc the the democratic convention
1: which was just actually fucking hell a lot yeah
0: dumpster fire pure basura fuego In- as bad as it gets <laughs> intolerable yeah we got to see anyone any anyone remember any highlights they like to share we're not going to play anything because it's not it's not worth that much of our time
1: the fucking uh the klobuchar oh, delaware crossing bullshit i mean klobuchar's whole entire script was terrible yeah and i mean just bad. the sheer amount of cuck porn that was uh, watching the delegates to go to bernie sanders watching right, the ones that had to go
0: and we nominate bernie sanders yeah
1: that was absolutely just, fucking... oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. oh, yeah.
1: just absolutely horrifying terrible
2: yeah it was terrible
0: was, I do not
1: watch
2: too much of it, so I'm kind of like you saved yourself
0: a lot of stress and depression. And depression, yeah. There was but a I moment where a
2: for like a little bit, and then like I just didn't like watch the whole thing. There
0: was a moment where uh, Michelle Obama was basically standing Reagan. I think her night she was speaking, she definitely had the longest speech too, and there was nothing there, of really? course. Of course, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Um. But one of the speakers I didn't expect that they didn't have on the, like, online lineup was, a uh, Colin Powell. Which, if we, uh, remember anything about Mr. Powell, <laughs> he, uh, helped usher us into the Iraq War. The yellow he's, cake? Yeah, he's part of the yellow cake, uh, aluminum tube, uh, debacle. We actually, well, let's, let's bring up the, uh, that Chappelle video.
2: Yeah, we have a video on it.
0: Yeah, it's... This was basically Colin Powell's speech, what his speech emanated, the uh, the other night.
3: The motherfucker bought some yellow cake, okay, in Africa. He went to Africa, and he bought yellow cake. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure, bitch! I got <laughs> a head CIA right here, he'll you! <laughs> Are you sure? Are you I can't believe you. <laughs> you you're ridiculous? Huh? ridiculous. Shout out the most death. Just coming back from Africa, cradle of fucking civilization! And this nigga <laughs> has been yellow cake from the motherland. Are you sure it was yellow cake? If y'all niggas don't believe me, I
4: got some yellow cake right here! <laughs> <laughs> don't drop that <laughs> shit! Don't drop that shit! drop
3: that shit! Pray to God. Pray to God, you
4: don't <laughs> drop
0: it! <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait... Just <laughs> that... Not- Five-second video of yellow cake made Ian audaciously horny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yellow cake, yellow like pound cake, is pretty fucking good. No, though, it's so.
1: incredibly fire. You kidding me? It was
0: worth going to war over.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> the extraction of yellow cake from the Middle East was intensely important.
0: Uh, anyone want to wrap up anything on the week before we jump into articles? No, nah, that's pretty much it. Just normal dnc
2: record, fucking well, there was boring record propaganda high, record high temperatures and uh, what dead body. yeah yeah
0: well here too is not record high but man it's it's been you got a fat heat, heat wave yeah i hope you guys don't yeah. hear our fans because i got mine blasted
2: honestly dude man, my fan broke I waking, <laughs> at, <laughs> it doesn't waking up
1: on. every day sweaty as fuck, mouth all dry it's terrible
0: i mean i yeah i do that normal but <laughs> <laughs> <It's> Fuck. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if if nobody can see though, I am repping the the young, you young Joseph, Robinette Absolute fire fucking merch, fucking king. So you can't say that I'm an, I'm anti Joe Biden too. And you've I'm, supported I'm the campaign. Yeah, yeah. I'm hel- helping him on the second greatest defeat.
4: Um. <laughs> it is not looking good. The second
0: you
1: know the second easiest defeat the Democratic Party's been in.
0: Yeah. Y'all want to talk uh, talk shit about Trump?
5: Of course. Open let's, it up. Uh,
0: let's pull up the Anwar article.
5: They, sh- they certainly spent enough time at the DNC talking shit about him. In the yeah, no worst, shit. In the worst possible ways. Yeah.
0: I think that's the uh, only time, only thing they spend time on. If I'm not wrong.
1: That, <laughs> and, that and talking about, we need unity. We got a Delaware Cross style. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like the painting, the painting, you know, the painting. You know, you get my joke, right? <laughs> Alright, so, uh... Please laugh, please. <laughs> clap. Here with please the, clap. Uh, the the article, um, if you don't know what the, the Anwar is, it's the uh, Alaska Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. And obviously, you know, they've fucked over Alaska and drilled oil in a bunch of places, but there's, way up in the top, there's this, you know, super pristine area that they haven't been allowed to drill this entire time, And, uh, well, things are, uh, as Bob Dylan uh, said, at the Times, they are uh, a-changing. Here from the article, the the Trump administration on Monday finalized a plan to allow oil and gas drilling in Alaska's Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, putting it on track to issue decades-long leases in the pristine wilderness area before a potential change in U.S. leadership. Uh, The Energy Industry and Alaska Governor Michael Dunleavy uh, said opening anwar to drilling would create jobs and boost the state's economy. I'm sure they could do no other thing to boost their economy and create jobs.
1: You got to suck off the oil barons, man.
0: Yeah, as they point out which is reliant on oil production. But
1: I mean the state of Alaska, be. the state of Alaska everybody gets a, a a basic income every month from the oil companies yeah. because they use that private land. Right. And so yeah, just slowly draining alaska but like oh here we'll give you some money they're
0: like we have this beautiful pristine ref- you know refuge that well, how can we make money off of this oh i know tourists no 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 no. let's oil <laughs> oil <laughs> yeah <laughs> I like the u.s the can't even point.
1: help invading their own le- own territory
0: uh next paragraph down the the interior department could hold a cell of oil and gas leases in amwar by the end of the year Uh, Secretary David Bernhardt said in a conference call with reporters, "Uh, "A Republican passed tax bill in 2017 opened the area to oil and gas leasing. Oh, I wonder who passed that Republican passed tax bill, (laughs) Uh, a key pillar of U.S. President Donald Trump's agenda. Uh, Yeah, uh, to expand fossil fuel production. However, lease sales in the state have been weak for most of the last decade, and statewide production has dropped steadily for the past 30 years, probably because." we're fucking fracking now. <laughs> we got other income. Uh, if found, which I do not doubt they're going to find oil in Anwar. It's you know way up there, oil-rich territory in oh, Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if found, oil production could begin in Anwar in about eight years, Bernhardt said, with activity lasting about 50 years. Uh, the 19 million acres, 7.7 million uh, hectares, Refuge is home to wildlife populations, including porcupine, caribou, and polar bears, and has been off limits to drilling for decades. And in recent months, several big U.S. banks have said recently they will not finance oil and gas projects in the Arctic region. Which, oh, oh how brave of them!
1: How progressive!
0: Yeah, considering they sponsor, you know, all kinds of drilling in the other regions in the Arctic and in the poles too. Okay. So. That's a, sell, that's a cell that's a cell piece by lawyers, But they really but. put
1: they're really putting their foot down with this Galaska thing.
0: Yeah, but we can uh we can move on from this art. We just wanted to bring it up cuz it's I mean, obviously a tragedy and not just a tragedy, but it's it's going it's showing the trajectory that Trump has to, you know, taken not just from his own administration but Well, Obama left the door open for him with things like Standing Rock.
1: And uh, just like continuing on the Trump note and how his administration continues to fail the American people, we can bring up this next article uh, from Jacob and if you want to go ahead and get that up on screen. So um, really quick, I'll I'll get started. Yeah, you take lead on this one. Yeah. Um, So as you all know, we have gone, what is it, five, almost six months now since the last stimulus. We've been just absolutely struggling during this entire pandemic, and there just continues to be nothing we were um August seventh I believe the day was we were supposed to have um they were supposed to come back and uh have a final like meeting before their recess, whether they're gonna push on with the uh the heels act, do any changes to it or go on and try to pass the bill but of course um they're rich and sitting in their castles they could give you know best of a fuck about the working class and um so here's this article from Jacobin here so we'll get it started with the title the uh, the senate just abandoned the working class without a covid 19 relief bill uh federal unemployment has dried up rent is past due the evictions are proceeding the cupboards are bare and the senate has adjourned without passing a new corona release package Their abandonment of the working class is shameless but hardly shocking if you want to scroll down a little bit uh the enhanced federal unemployment checks have expired But tens of millions remain uh, unemployed, even with the economy recklessly reopening in places like California. We just saw with Gavin Newsom after continue. Instead of rising cases, we decided to try to open bars and restaurants back up, which we did see another huge spike. And we had to shut it down again. A piss poor job by Gavin Newsom. But I mean, I guess you could say he's doing better than uh, deep red states. Which or isn't even, much, or but yeah, yeah, which isn't saying much. Well, all, all states are doing absolutely shit right now. I mean, it was fear of, like, like know, New
0: York, who had fuck like Cuomo New- on the oh yeah, so fuck he's, that guy. He's
1: been getting days and days of news cycles of just getting sucked off. Yeah, regardless of how terrible he's been doing in New York. But anyway, um, some are sleeping in their cars, others are sleeping in shelters, still more sleeping on the ground. They have been, in every sense, tossed out. Tossed out of the economy, tossed out of their homes, and tossed out like trash. Um, I believe in July, what, does anybody remember the number exactly? But an overwhelming number of people uh, couldn't make their rent payment in July. It was very overwhelming. Uh, yeah, it,
0: it was state to state, but it was like, yeah. well, like 20% average at least.
1: Yeah, ridiculous. We have great level de, great depression levels of unemployment. Well, I think we're hovering at around 20%, twenty percent, twenty little over uh, actual unemployment, um, not factoring in the people that aren't actively looking, etc. Yeah, et searching, yeah. yeah. Um, we've gone, you know, again, like I said, months without a stimulus. We've got one, $1 twelve hundred dollar check that just went straight to bills for most people. You have people that are essential workers that are still not getting hazard pay. You have, um. The people in unemployment getting it reduced from six hundred to four hundred, and with that money is coming from FEMA now uh, during hurricanes, right. during hurricane, during fires. Yeah. Which is now. our article we dropped. Maybe you
0: could. Yeah, we. we I believe.
1: I believe. Uh, I believe. Last podcast we were going to talk about it. We never got around to it. Um, getting back into the article, we'll, we'll probably take like another paragraph Uh This has happened for many reasons. Um, chief among them, uh, the absence of anything resembling a. Functional social welfare state, without which the American working class dances on the razor's edge of poverty, and those already living in poverty against the razor's edge of death. Uh, the desperation of millions is advantageous for a few um, sham lords, predatory lead- or lenders, and uh, uh, average employers who prefer la- uh, labor to be cheap and want to keep their workers compliant. Basically,
4: uh,
1: yeah, just keeping everybody obedient um really just uh giving everybody scraps and just telling yeah, them all because there's,
0: there's no safety yeah, net i mean so yeah, yeah i mean just, right
1: just just telling them here you get scraps and uh nobody else is going to give you anything better so deal with it
2: yeah
1: and yeah 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 uh, jake if you wanted to uh take over and talk about anything you wanted to talk to
2: well uh, yeah. i just wanted to touch on yeah, Michael, just for a, second, for a second uh the, I'm glad that you brought up hazard pay and that a lot of people um, aren't receiving any of it because I have a friend who works for a moving company who t- actually told me today that he's not receiving any more hazard pay at all and he's been complaining uh just saying like hey like why'd you cut the hazard pay a lot of us are like walking into people's homes uh being at risk of you know of this virus that's going around so i I just thought it was Kind of interesting, no, yeah, but, it's it's uh, disgusting yeah, they're, yeah, that all these companies—they're
1: yeah. uh, forcing us to work during this pandemic. I mean, obviously, you know, essential workers like we need,
2: but we well, we bail them out. Too. We
1: need it. We need to continue yeah. moving on with society in a way, but
2: and,
0: uh, and
1: to the just to leave everybody up to like dry. Not enough
2: money either. Like no, like what no, I'm saying no. is that is that it goes by like you could just spend it super fast like it just goes like you said go straight to bills it doesn't last yeah long.
0: yeah you could blow it on a five guys order exactly guys. like yeah. it, it's fucking it's nothing
1: it's twelve hundred dollars what is that anybody that anybody that pays bills pays for it, know that twelve hundred isn't shit yeah,
0: yeah or anyone that you know has spent money before <laughs> no, yeah
1: like it. another another thing about hazard pay is like uh, yeah. I work for. Like the biggest corporation on earth, I work for, I work for Amazon, like a, or a subsidiary of Amazon, and well, we got, uh, we got a taxed two dollar hazard pay for like two or three months or something,
4: yeah.
1: Which I was, I was uh, making, I was making about the same or less than I was pre stimulus because it was taxed right. on top of our regularly pay because it was technically right. a premium, and we just got a bonus that was taxed also. Before we even saw the money, was taxed. So,
0: so how do it- we rely on these, you know, the things to help us during a pandemic coming from fucking massive corporations?
1: When you expect the private sector to but care do more do about, people- yeah. <laughs> when you expect the private sector to care more about people than profit, you you're just asking to get just fucked. You're asking to just get spit on, dirt rubbed in your eyes, and then they're gonna go back to trying to maximize profit. I've off seen people like their
2: number one priority, which is disgusting. I've heard
1: people absolutely just, yeah, like the amount of people getting laid off right now, even those who are technically essential workers and still getting laid off it's, it's ridiculous yeah it is ridiculous. yeah um, I'll,
0: uh, I'll, I'll read out the the article just so we get the just the very end of it. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll go to where it says Senate Republicans Carlos um, wait, Senate Republicans deserve the lion's share of the blame on this occasion, of course. Um, They're the ones insisting that an extension of of the previous $600 a week federal unemployment benefit...
1: In the Jacobin article.
0: Yep. Yeah, in the the same article. Yeah, same article. To finish out the article. Um, Senate Republicans deserve the lion's share of the blame on this occasion, of course. They're the ones insisting that an extension of the previous $600 a week federal unemployment benefit, which was the only thing keeping millions of unemployed people from complete financial calamity and a domino effect of apocalyptic consequences is unaffordable. They're the ones talking about saving for a rainy day in the middle of a Category 5 hurricane. Their proposal for the next coronavirus relief package is nothing short of sadistic. Moving on to the next paragraph. um, But the Democrats don't get to be the heroes here. Decades of embracing neoliberal, pro-corporate policy, of entrenching and normalizing the logic of privatization deregulation, and austerity that benefits the smaller capitalist class at the expense of everyone else has led us to this impasse. It has hollowed out our public sector, eviscerated and imperiled what existed of our social safety net, and emboldened an increasingly brazen reactionary right. The Senate is shamelessly abandoning the American working class in the middle of this pandemic, an economic shutdown. But really, it's only an extension of an earlier and more profound abandonment which will take a political revolution to reverse. Which I think that last is really our, our theme for the day. We have a lot of articles that kind of deal with that. It's Of course, this is the problem, but uh, it's this profound abandonment goes back. It's an earlier thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can move. Shout out to Megan Dave for the article. Great writer. Yeah. If you want to um, follow her. Um, yeah, do, you wanna- do we want to break? Uh, and then go international or do we want to finish out? Uh,
1: we can finish out international and to go into our first break. I think. Okay, let's do that.
0: Um, I'll start with the, the UAE, UAE piece. Sorry. Yeah. Um, first one from Jazeera here, Al Jazeera. Uh, the UAE makes peace with Israel's war on the Palestinians. Uh, why is Abu Dhabi rushing to appease the Netanyahu government? After years of informal normalization, the United Arab Emirates, the UAE, has finally reached a formal peace agreement with Israel that paves the way for a strategic relationship between the two countries under the uh, auspices of the Trump administration. The agreement towards US President Donald Trump and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu for their protracted assault on the Palestinians over the past four years. Once signed and implemented, it is likely to embolden Netanyahu's coalition, deepens Israel's occupation, And strengthens Israel's alliance with Arab autocrats. We can kind of pause from the article for a minute. And I'm going to sum it up a little more and just talk about it broadly. But more or less what they've done, the UAE is kind of playing, you know, out of one side, they're talking out of one side of their mouth, like, oh, we're, you know, this is to help protect the Palestinian people. We're doing this to halt the new, you know, new settlements. No new settlements. But they're not halting it. The key word they're using is suspending any new settlements for now, which Netanyahu personally has made a statement post that that says, I'm not necessarily uh, going to agree to that, basically. So even that thing that the UAE, you know, got so, you know, gracefully for Palestine is still, you know, Netanyahu doesn't care. And uh, yeah. But but the worst part about it is not only are they doing that, but it's kind of like this draw up coalition where it's really Israel, Saudi Arabia, and, you know, the other, you know, pro-Saudi, pro-Israel states like the UAE are trying to form this coalition so that we can make a new front against, you know, Iran and mm-hmm. try to start a war with Iran and obviously eliminate the Palestinian people. So it's really gross on the UAE's part to to do this.
1: I mean, it's nothing new. It's uh,
0: nothing new, and of course, it's all pretty much this whole deal process happened because of the U.S. Like the the UAE is making peace with Israel and Saudi because we're going to give UAE, you know, we're going to lift all kinds of sanctions from the UAE. We're going to give them more money. Oh yeah, we're gonna give them more weapons. We're going to trade with them more. In every way, it benefits them. Just not the Palestinian people.
1: I mean it, it all comes back to the United States and its power like uh yeah having 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 like an actual leader who cares about human rights is incredibly important when not just talking about the Palestinians but all, uh, globally but especially globally. especially right. especially in this instance of of Palestine it's Cause we can, we have
0: hegemony over fucking everything right now. So exactly. like, all yeah, our we exactly. ambitions other than maybe China who's doing shit in Africa now the middle east but more smartly than we are away oh,
1: yeah you kidding me they're they're doing infrastructure projects to yeah to get insane amount we of people in the
0: region you know they're, yeah they're colonial issues too just,
1: it, it, it's yeah, the, yeah. it's it's the newest and most uh, efficient version of imperialism instead yeah. of going to war and having people die you do these infrastructure projects that put them into massive debt and you just come back for them later but anyway um yeah It's very important when talking about Palestine uh, to bring up the United States and uh, its influence over the State of Israel and um, its its presence in the Middle East in general and how that affects uh, Middle Eastern countries, um, like towards Israel. Like uh, they're more likely to act in defense of Israel and and not even agreeing technically, but turning the blind eye to what they're doing to the Palestinians to get favors later. With the United States because they are assuming that we're gonna hold power in the region. Uh, with Trump in office, they have even more reason to believe that. Yeah. And um, and with the and and with the possible Biden presidency, we know nothing's gonna change. They're gonna stand with the state of Israel. I can't be anti Semitic because I like Israel and they're just killing Arabs, so who cares?
0: It's just yeah. And they're going to hide it under these kind of deals where they're saying, you know, we're, you know, we're halting annexation and new settlements. Yeah, like, yeah. You're, you're not though.
1: <laughs> we didn't, Oops. we never, and, and that's the thing. So when they're pushed on the issue, they, they never said, oh, we're not going to, we never said we we're going to stop it. We said we we're going to suspend it. Yeah. They, they use these weasel words to get out of any sort of criticism because you can never hit them on the nail and be like, oh, you said exactly this and you didn't do it. It's always like, no, well, I said, oh, we're, no, no, no. I, we're gonna have access to healthcare. We're gonna have access yeah. to college, access to cheaper rent, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's so just we, how nothing yeah, gets uh, done. We uh, I'm we, uh, sorry, we uh, yeah, but no, it's cool. We'll go ahead and get into the next one. Um, We're gonna be we talking about um what happened in Bolivia, um just recently, um the uh, yeah we can
0: move to the Bolivia one yeah I think we summed up enough on UAE.
1: Yeah, and I'll, I'll 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 bring it up really quickly and then Jake can, can take over. But uh recently, very recently in Bolivia, the uh the union, the union offices were attacked by the uh the pro-coup uh the like the the uh, pro-coup paramilitary people. And um they they were also threatening the anti-coup protesters with um attacks, violent attacks obviously. And um as you can see on the at the top of the article, the graffiti that was sprayed on one of the offices, in the second picture. Yeah, which is it says she uh, is the hey, worst Evo, which is uh, which is death to Evo.
4: Yeah,
1: which is yeah, Evo uh, is Evo Mor- uh, Morales has had to go into hiding. That you can see smashed bottles and whatnot, but yeah, Evo Morales has had to go into hiding because uh, they're hunting him because they know the amount of power he holds with the indigenous people. And Jake, if you want to go ahead and take over,
0: yeah. And that indigenous part crosses over into you know the workers' unions, et cetera, because those are the buildings they're targeting. So you, yeah, they're they're going deliberately after the working class in Bolivia. Yeah, let's go. That Greece article is interesting. Um, read the headline here: Greece secretly uh, secretly sent away more than one thousand migrants, abandoning them on the open sea. Uh, More than 1,000 refugees were abandoned at the edge of Greece's water territory by Greek officials in the past few months, the New York Times reported. The migrants were left on inflatable and, in some instances, overloaded life rafts. Um, These expulsions are illegal under international law. Uh, Greece has denied doing anything illegal.
1: Uh, Just how did all these migrants end up in the water? I don't
0: know. Uh, going down to the, uh, um, where, uh, al-Khatib, a, a 50-year-old Syrian teacher, told the Times that on July 26, she and 22 others, including babies, were taken by mass Greek officials from a detention center on the island of Rhodes while it was dark outside. She told the Times they were left on a rudderless, motorless life raft and were later rescued by the Turkish Coast Guard. I left Syria for fear of bombing, but when this happened, I wish I died under a bomb, she told the Times. She's... So... I mean, yeah. Yeah, this this is funny in context to some recent news that uh, possible um, a better to pedophile, international pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, Tom Hanks, who has, been, has visited his island or has been on his plane at least multiple times uh, got you know, got Greek citizenship recently. But yeah. meanwhile, these uh, Syrians that are running away from a civil war and they don't want to stay in Turkey either because Erdogan sucks um, are being floated babies, according to this teacher, are being you know a, they come from a war zone and then they sail them out into the water into life rafts with no no way to get back.
4: <laughs>
1: I mean think about that yeah. last think about that last statement really quick um, uh, I left Syria for fear of bombing but when this happened I'd wish I had died under a bomb imagine how dehumani. imagine how dehumanized it is to be shoved onto a raft with children like babies yeah. and then just left into the water with, uh, mm-hmm. with no way of getting back uh, just yeah. kind of hoping you don't die and like for her to say that she'd rather died from an explosion uh, during a this award Syria is like it's really crazy to me like yeah, yeah that's, a, that's, a, that's an insane statement,
0: yeah, and just key on this one is I mean it's a general you know feeling towards refugees in the us too and in other European countries is that you know we don't take in these people that really you know we destroyed their country and they're trying to flee it, but we're gonna take in you know well you know wealthy fucking pieces of shit. Oh yeah, you can become a citizen in like a week. You're
2: good. So <laughs> I mean, being left at sea is just already just so brutal. And yeah, in a raft, and, and, a and you're a baby. And, right.
1: Regardless, just... regardless of the laws on the books and how it's against international law, uh, to think of how like immoral this is, uh, and to think of right. like yeah, yeah how this how disgusting it is, and uh, how the uh, the people that committed these things under government uh, under like. Uh, like uh, being told by the government to do it like the 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 people that did it like just how obedient they are and how la- the lack of critical thinking has affected them like the, to the point where they'll shove babies on a raft and send them out yeah. to the sea to just mm-hmm. probably die
0: yeah
2: you're right though it's like and they know they were going to
1: oh yeah they that's yeah. what
2: they were their intentions
0: they might as well just say like Scalping babies is illegal under international law. Because it's basically that bad. Like, This is war crime shit.
1: They literally, they were trying to kill people.
0: Yeah. So. So, Belarus. Belarus. uh,
1: For those who don't know, Belarus post-USSR nation. Um, Recently, they had a very intriguing election that has caused uh, mass protest in in the country. And has also caused some geopolitical shifts not only for Russia, but us and our allies. So, um, really quickly, I want to talk about their current president, uh, Lukashenko. His name is very Russian, and I'm going to only say his last name. His name is President Lukashenko. You can look it up, Belarus. You can figure out his last name and it's
0: stuff. It's also in <laughs> Yeah.
4: It's
0: <laughs> just
1: Grey Goose Lukashenko. Yeah. Anyways, so... Um, Lukashenko has been in office since the 90s. I believe 94 is when he first took office. And he has uh, consistently won his elections uh, by very wide margins. Uh, nobody knows how legit they were, but he has won by very wide margins. Uh, I think the lowest he's ever won by, I think he got like 74% of the vote on his like second or third term. Regardless, not important. Um he has a very long and extensive history of uh, jailing any sort of uh, political opponent, whether it be somebody directly running against him, uh, somebody speaking out against him on social media websites, criticizing his government he has a he has a very uh, long history of uh, jailing them and silencing them um, uh, What sparked a lot of this was after the arrest of one of his uh, political opponents, the wife of the person arrested, can't uh, can't remember his name. It's, like I said, very Russian. Yeah,
0: he's like a social media too. Yeah,
1: very, very very uh CIS region, hard to pronounce, but uh, the opponent's hus- or the opponent's wife decided that she was going to make a bid and try to run against. Him. And he was arrested. He yeah, ran. and oh, and uh, and and beat and replaced Lukashenko. Her name is Svitlana, long last name. Not gonna, not even gonna try.
0: I think it's
1: yeah Tyskanova, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Svitlana, we're calling her Svitlana. Yeah, Sasuke or whatever. So that. she, uh, her entire platform basically was uh, not only just to replace him, but to organize new and f- fair, more open elections, and uh, to transition the government uh, away from more of like a. Uh, 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 like top-down hierarchical executive uh democracy to more of a uh parliamentary republic more in like the the u the uk etc and um the thing that sparked like all this protesting besides the fact that uh, people want lukashenko out um the government exit polls were like almost in like i think they a completely opposite from the uh, independent run like third party exit polls so the government exit polls had lukashenko winning at uh about like an eighty plus percent different, like eighty plus percent of the vote, and independent um, independent polls showed Lukashenko at less than sixteen. I believe the number was fifteen point seven percent of the uh, of the vote. So I mean, obviously, you have completely differing exit polls. One from coming from the government, which is the Lukashenko government, and then one coming from third party independent, saying that uh, Svetlana over here won, and so that caused a mass stir of. Who to believe? Um, uh, why uh, Lukashenko was trying to silence the uh, independent polls, and it actually, due to threats, it caused Svetlana to flee the country while everything was sorted out. And so, basically, since uh, since her uh, since her like fleeing Belarus, um, we did get we did get word and confirmed that she landed and is, is safe. I bl- I forget which country she's in, but she's uh, she's alive and well. Which is good. It's always a good thing, regardless of uh, her affiliation with uh, outside governments. But next, um, so post-election, these government exit polls, independent exit polls, they're butting heads. Causes master, and we just have the uh, we have the government completely shut down all types of protests. You have huge, huge numbers of people coming out during this and pandemic.
0: they basically handling COVID-19. Oh, yeah. Also uh, yes,
1: that, that's factor. An, that, that another factor of why they protested.
0: And uh, they're still failing to respond. It's, oh, yes. Yeah. And so the
1: um, during these protests, we've seen just absolutely terrible things come from this government. We've seen a huge spike in police brutality cases in Belarus. We've seen the government shut down internet in parts of uh parts of the country, as well as shutting down access to social media sites. Interestingly enough, the sites that didn't get shut down, regardless of how popular they were, were uh Discord, which is what we use for the podcast, and as well as Twitch is what we're streaming on. So that's how a lot of uh, that's how a lot of things got out into the public. They were being shared through Discord servers and, and live streamed on Twitch. And um
0: I, like the two I, ones you got to get first. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I, I really wish I could, uh, I could find the. They had like a, re, like they had recreated the map of, uh, the timed cuttings of internet, around Belarus, but uh, it was, it was deleted, uh, probably because of fear of being arrested by the Belarus government. But, um, back to Lukashenko and why he wants to maintain power. This is all speculation. We have nothing confirmed, but you can only assume, uh there's obvious geopolitical interests because of uh, trying to maintain power and this uh really i don't want to say tight but this very uh oil-bound relationship they have with russia because um they they strike the deal early to open up pipelines oil pipelines to russia exclusively selling their oil and uh, exporting it to russia for a decent price uh, a, a, a bit inflated i believe um
0: uh, more it's a key spot in the these like NATO standoffs that are happening too.
1: Oh yeah, definitely, and um, and just having ties to a superpower is exactly. very important for a small nation like that, whether that be Russia, whether that be the United States and its allies. And that's what's
0: happening too is they're getting split right now because it's created that that economy where fucking Lukashenko, you know, he has these ties to Russia and. You know they're selling oil to them, and at the same time, any opposition that rises, like um, Svetlana, they fill in this gap of, like, they almost have to kind of be like, well, we want to change to a more Western relationship. Like, it's not as much headed on, like, let's just change these, you know, our democratic process. It's also tied in with, like, we need to, because as we'll play this Pompeo video, they're trying to, you know, Garner favor with the West and maybe, you know, change their, yeah, their ge- geopolitical standing.
1: try to join yeah. Team USA, exactly.
0: Which is not a good thing. No. Ne- neither of those goals serve the actual people of Belarus. No, of course not. Both those things, you know. It
1: only serves the wealthy in the region.
0: Yeah, and they're all dying of COVID nineteen right now. There, they're getting bodied. Uh, and it, do you have, and do you yeah.
1: yeah, and yeah, and it just is like. Um, with the West prospect in, the, in Svetlana, it also um, kind of goes to show anything, anything uh, USSR uh, res- like, that resembles the USSR is just immediately dismissed and, and uh, almost smeared by, what, by the Western powers. Um, I believe it was, I can't remember if it was the UK or the United States, but we gave them the title, um, Europe's Last Dictatorship. And that's been like a very firm title. Those who know about Belarus understand that title. Um, and, uh, not to say that the Lukashenko government is good, but, uh, any sort of foreign involvement in other countries and, and smear campaigns is, is never a good look for anybody. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then, like I just brought up with the, uh, the prospects, uh, that the West has in Svetlana and her opening up the government to a more, uh, parliamentary system, which allows... Just more corruption and serves just nobody, no, and, and serves yeah. nobody but the oligarch class. that Doesn't serve the people, the working, the working class, and their material conditions. Most likely won't change. Uh, uh, anything we've seen from the Svilana's campaign hasn't talked really about uh, workers. Uh, just the the uh, to empower the workers. They, she hasn't talked about that at all, Which as far as I've seen.
0: Sounds somber. But what's happened now is that that gap has been filled, and actual working class people are going out and protesting in Belarus.
4: Yeah,
1: and uh, solidarity to the protesters. We hope yeah. nothing. We hope nothing but to bring um, labor-backed change into into, well, that's what, into that's any country.
0: Between the two options of either you know the new Western, you know, allied government or this you know Russian, you know, also you know, state capital basically. Yeah. Um. If the third option is, hey, let's all fucking come together as working class, you know, people and like people are doing all over the world right now. That's that's the third option. That's the way, baby. Oh yeah. So um, we're
1: gonna jump straight into a video, uh, showing this is Mike. The Pompeo- Pom- Pompeo- yeah, this Pompeo is the Pompeo Research. video, and it's sh- he talks quickly about the redistribution of troops, uh, in and are uh, not in, but uh, around Belarus. Uh, specifically in Poland, um, yeah,
6: and it's if, fuck Poland, yeah, fuck Poland, fascist. But yeah,
1: go ahead and start this video.
6: How much troop levels matter, uh, the number of soldiers someone has. Someplace, it's a former tank. Officer, I know that, but the world's moved on to uh, space, cyber, all the disinformation. We talked about this a great deal. Um, these defense cooperation agreement we signed will give us the capacity to work on each of these problems in important ways. And so we'll, we'll get our troop disposition right, but the, the depth and breadth and scope and scale of what we'll be able to do alongside Poland as a result of having signed this agreement Uh, is truly important. The
2: presence of American troops in Poland enhances our deterrence potential, because we are closer to the potential source of conflict.
6: We've said that the elections themselves weren't free, they weren't fair, Um, and so we've spent these last days consulting with our European partners, not only the meetings that I've had in person, but the telephone conversations I've had, trying to understand precisely what's happening, and all with a common objective, as we talked about today. The, the common objective is to support the Belarusian people to achieve their own yeah, sovereignty, eye. their own freedom, to, to build out what you're seeing happen in these protests. These people are demanding the simple things that every human being wants, the right to have determination for themselves about the nature of their government. It's unsurprising that the, the right to serve the my Chinese corporate overlords like to sell weapons to the Islamic Republic of Iran. Uh, it is unfortunate that the French the Islamic Republic and uh, of Iran. the United Kingdom members of the P5 didn't Barack support what Hussein. the states have demanded, what the Israelis have demanded for their own security, the people who know best the risks in the region. Uh, so I, I regret that deeply.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, you can just see we have uh, the people's hero, Mike Pompeo, talk about uh, instilling true democracy and free elections in another foreign country like he did multiple times in, the, uh, in, South, in South America. The true arbiter of democracy, <laughs> uh, Mike Pompeo is.
2: Is and so dislike, um, the, the dislike to like ratio on that video just goes to show oh yeah it's
0: gnarly yeah just left yeah. his
1: ratioing mike pompeo but uh yeah oh, Jake.
0: Like, i'm ai a, was a tank yeah i was a tank uh i was part of the tank operator like what was his job in the tank like did he give people like a water bottle in the tail like what was he this?
1: gave him hand jobs to reduce yeah. stress he
0: waxed the tank oh, and then wrote on the back
1: like, <laughs> But yeah, did you have anything else to add before we get into this uh, Jacobin article, Jacob?
0: Yeah, we can we can touch on this um, Jacobin
4: article.
1: Yeah, so Jakin brought this to my attention, and I just wanted him to take over. It still has to do with Belarus. Go ahead and pull we'll that up for Jakin.
0: up? Okay. I'll read the main headline here first. Uh, in Belarus, the left is fighting to put social demands at the heart of the protests. Um,
4: the...
0: The protests in Belarus have widely been painted as a pro-Western color revolution, or Minsk Maiden, ignoring the deeper reasons for popular discontent with President Alexander Lukashenko. Jackson spoke to left-wingers in Belarus about the forces behind the protests and the prospects of organized labor asserting its own agenda. The police brutality in Minsk is often said to be without parallel in Europe, something that France's Jevets <laughs> Jones. Protesters would surely deny uh, yet something definitely is changing in Belarus. After unprecedented popular support for opposition candidates challenged the 26-year rule of, Alexa- of President Alexander Lukashenko, when authorities claimed that he had 80% of the vote in the August 9 election, and crowds took to the street to protest, the state unleashed police terror, terror against them, which sounds, uh, once again, very, very familiar. They have a lot of parallels to what's happening in our country, both to the how they, you know, mishandled COVID, the police state's going after them. Really, the old guard is splitting, To Both options suck. <laughs> um, going down to the, the interview piece, uh, where it says, it's the third paragraph, the interview piece. Uh, the last 10 years saw a depolitization of Belarusians. After the failed post-election protests of 2010 and the subsequent clapping revolution, when people clapped in the street to show their dissent, fearing that they would be arrested if they mounted protests, many members of parties and movements suffered state repression. In 2017, after the government introduced the so-called tax on unemployment, which is something that Lukashenko put forward and was extremely unpopular, the Parasite Tax, pretty much. Yeah, they, call it, yeah, they call it the Parasite Tax. Yeah. Uh, Belarus saw protests not only in Minsk, but also in small provincial towns. For the first time in six years. This ha- tax was then postponed. But it seemed that after the defeat of oppositional parties and movements, the new opposition to Lukashenko appeared only in the vague form of Belarusians. Uh, since a substantial share of Belarusian economy is still state-owned, the common people... Lukashenko's unusual voters consist of worker or state owned factories, school teachers, or doctors. In recent years, the public sector has been starved of money, which led to falling wages, contraction of the labor force, forced unpaid vacations, and a rising retirement age. Obviously, this didn't politicize the common people, but unfortunately, no strong positive uh, agenda emerged. So, to, yeah, to kind of sum that up, you know they still have some of these institutions that you know have you know some kind of cooperative power in them but they still don't have a way to really channel it right now because they don't have a not only agenda but it almost seems like they're confused who to go with you know what's, what's no, yeah. the way mm-hmm.
1: the lack of left unification spans globally like the left is so bad at unifying it's right. uh, it's kind of sad and uh, we could really get so much done if we just if we sat down and uh, and just work towards real uh, labor-backed it's progress.
4: It's
0: clear from that though that Lukashenko is obviously just a neoliberal. No, yeah, like it's just as all much cutting, as as much- cutting. It's been happening to the public sector, the thing that you know people have, you know, all the power and say over in their society. It's
1: just uh, it's post-USSR state capitalism. It's 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 them being uh it's them trying to hold on to this tie to the ussr and uh the the clout that they get uh amongst amongst post ussr people because it's a very popular opinion is to go they a lot of people in these uh in the post ussr miss the ussr they miss uh they miss the uh the power that they felt and the uh the like the um,
0: yeah, unity across the, the, the how fueled
1: the middle class, the how fueled the middle class was, the 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 labor power that they had, and uh, that was taken away, obviously. But um, so to just hold on to that and uh obviously lie to the people's faces and uh, slowly chip away at the public sector, splitting it off to uh, private corporations to uh, go ahead and maximize their profits is disgusting. And um, yeah, like you said, it truly exposes him more as just your average. Uh, European neoliberal and
0: yeah and the other option is not av- yeah, western neoliberal like exactly. you, get, you get, the same shit
1: but it's just going to be a stacked parliamentary of people I like, look
0: all like UK- Ukraine kind of like yeah. western Ukraine <laughs> it's just not good
1: and so um if you don't have anything else to pull from this article I want to pull up some uh some on the ground uh footage yeah. from the uh from the protest so if we can get that first link pulled up it's just a uh, it's just a visual of how large the protest is and uh, it's it's grown in size since uh, since the 13th when this was uh, posted so go ahead and uh, get that playing <inaudible> <inaudible> saying a bunch of nothing I have no idea what they're saying <laughs> the 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 acrylic alphabet in the language is so weird. But yeah, uh look just the size and having to come out and uh just fight for your own rights during a global pandemic is insane. So yeah, and um it it's just uh, showing the crowd size and if you go on to the second video we can see later that later in the uh later at the night, like during the nighttime is when the protests really start to pop off and you see fireworks uh and all that being thrown at uh at the police. And keep in mind, um, this group of pro- like this, Belarus has never had any sort of um, like large protests like this before. They have no real like frame of reference on how to protest, and
0: yeah, the last um, one was the um, Flapping Revolution. That- yeah, this is and is not uh, like really to see. Though. Really, yeah,
1: really quick. If you want to, <laughs> if you <laughs> if you want to pause, really quick. In more, de- uh, I don't want to say developed but in uh, in more Western countries and countries with uh, deeper history in fighting fascism uh, you have um, the antifa super soldiers you know you have uh, you have better tactics to combat fascism in Western nations and uh, when you come to Belarus and see these videos uh, and if you want it like uh, the Twitter popped up on the thing before we click the thing if you want to exit out of full screen so they can see the Twitter if you go to the Twitter and just look through the videos uh you can see that they're not as organized as you see protests here in America, protests in France, in the UK, Germany, etc. um and they're very uh they're very um exposed to um to uh just uh like the most basic sort of uh breaking up protest tactics coming from the government. Yeah. Exactly. They they don't have the formal training or knowledge really on how to uh how to combat the police state, uh, and so the next uh, the next thing I want to pull up is uh, some pictures of what the police were shooting uh, at protesters. If we can get that on screen, take the cameras off and uh, get the photos pulled up. One
0: moment.
1: I'm craving a Crystal Pepsi right now. A <laughs> Crystal Pepsi and <laughs> some pizza. <laughs> so yeah, for, so I look at look how fucking mean those bullets look. These are the rubber bullets that are being shot at the protesters. Just bright orange. Thick as fuck. Just, well, yeah, I wouldn't want that shit shot at me no matter. Kind of like
0: Trump. Bright orange. Thick yeah. as fuck. <laughs> Caked cake <laughs> up Cheeto. They look like called nuclear bombs.
1: Yeah. If you want to click on hey, the second one really quick.
0: Yeah.
1: And then uh, we have uh, shrapnel from, uh, you see, there's pellets and broken up metal here from other, like, uh, like pellet canisters being fired. Uh, and then pull up to the third one really quick. We can't show the fourth one because it's uh, against the Terms of Service. There's blood. It's a guy. Huge gash. Getting shot by one of these. But yeah, look at how fucking mean those look. Those bullets. Yeah, it's just, that those are just full of fucking metal pellets and rubber pellets to just disperse crowds. And yeah, the police are just cracking down. So yeah. um, Next and final video is something that's very, uh, very close to home. It's these un—it's these masked uh, police officers and uh, just straight up ninjas coming in and just snatching some dude. And this is a very common thing that's happening right now. Is anybody who is accused or thought to have been at a protest, regardless of uh, if they know he was they not he sorry were there or not, they'll just snatch you up and put you in a van, unmarked van. So go ahead and play this video really quick. It's kind of crazy. Oh, you have two dudes in fucking balaclavos pull up on you? Oh,
2: yeah, sukkah, stop! What are these dudes Chubby. wearing, bro? Right? Straight
1: nerds, <laughs> dude. Imagine loving your country that much to where you wear all black with, like, what does that say? Fucking mall cop on the back? been oh, rescued. Yeah. And then there's that other guy at the end
2: that's just like not in, pure, not in uniform like they are. They're just kind of like, oh. by the video <laughs>
4: Their they DPI
0: looks really high, honestly. Yeah, they need to turn down their strats. These specs. guys are not good CSGO players. Yeah, look at Yeah.
1: Just broad daylight snatching people up and putting them in vans. Like, yeah, just real, it's did- Koms, yeah, real dystopian shit. Jesus. God. The communication yeah. is
2: horrible.
1: Yeah, we need to get into their. We need to listen in on their comms. <laughs> Needed to refine their strats here. He could have got away.
2: Yeah, but- look yeah, at
1: that. guy He acts like he tries to help them, and
0: then he, like, so.
1: Look at how he fucking bends his arm back right here. Watch, watch, watch. Right yeah, there. I just yeah. I try to get out I of that. The guy your in hand's the mask gone.
2: was gonna help the guy, but turns out. You kidding you guys me? Are,
0: I remember watching Children of Men. There's was like a scene where he just gets kidnapped in broad daylight. <laughs> pretty, pretty good scene. Yeah, and so um, that's pretty much
1: an update on Belarus for those who didn't know, um. We have one more link that's uh, separate from the actual Belarus topic that we were talking about, but it's, uh, it goes more into uh, how the left needs to unify, uh, especially the uh, socialist left. So Jake has an article here he's going to pull up, and um, he's going to go ahead and take it from here. And then we're going to go into a final break after he brings this up, and then get into some uh, economic type talk.
0: Thank if, um, you for staying with
1: us. But yeah, please. Thank you.
0: Can you go start below the picture, Carlos, the paragraph below the picture?
1: And make sure it's pulled up on the stream when you, uh... Um,
0: alright, here we go. The strikes and demonstrations are occurring in defiance of mass arrests and in opposition to the use of police violence to suppress social opposition. Uh, as of Thursday, the last Thursday, uh, the Belarusian Ministry of Internal Affairs had arrested more than 6,000 people and killed two demonstrators. Uh, the OMON, uh, Belarus Militarized Police Force, has attempted to drive back crowds with water cannons, tear gas, uh, rubber bullets, and stun grenades, as we just saw. Uh, one auto worker at Belza, Belaza uh, told the press that the uh, Oman snatched a fellow worker off the street as he returned home from the factory, and he, was, he has not been heard from since. Uh, Balaza strikers have raised an outcry over the fact that the Oman are in the neighborhoods in the same vehicles that the workers produce. Um, if we could go down a little bit to where um, it says thus far. Uh, thus far, social and economic demands do, do not appear to have come to the forefront of the strikes. Not good news. But the political oppression faced by the Belarusian working class is entirely bound up with its intense exploitation at the hands of the capitalist class. Domestic and foreign alike, decades of poverty wages, cuts in social spending, and most recently the government's homicidal indifference to the COVID nineteen pandemic are all fueling social discontent. And yeah, that that par- that paragraph's beautiful. It basically sums it all up in yeah, one good yeah. go. The, the exploitation at the hands of the capitalist class, domestic and foreign alike. Um. Yeah, that's all I, I wanted to bring up with that one, though. Just, yeah, they're specifically trying to target, you know, working class people that are trying to come out and do this vote, or the, these protests, rather. And uh, that's not good. That's not good. Whoops, I was muted.
1: Uh, anyway. Really, really quick, really, 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 <laughs> really quick. I wanted to touch on something that I missed. You don't need to pull the article back up, but it says in here that um about one of the social media platforms. I forgot to mention it because I uh, I forgot the name. Actually, it's called Telegram, and it's pretty much like WhatsApp, uh, but it's just like an instant messaging service. And that's how a lot of the photos were sent uh, sent to people. Shout out to Cash App. I mean, uh, shout out to... <laughs>
4: Cash
0: App.
1: Cash. Cash Hey,
0: Facebook, but shout out to WhatsApp.
1: But yeah, um, that's all I wanted to talk about in the Belarus segment.
0: Uh, Carlos, you want to kind of combo this article with me? This is the one you initially had sent me.
5: Yeah. You you started out for me, yeah. All right. Here. Okay. So I'm pretty sure you know everyone's realized that you know a lot of uh, office-based jobs or you know jobs where you got to be in a close proximity to people in like an indoor setting have uh, tried to move their workforces to you know work from home and. You know, a lot of them have been real successful, but at what cost? And yeah. this is the cost. So uh, the title here, the shift to working from home has increased the number of hours Americans work. A new study finds that employees are working longer hours since the shift to remote work amid the coronavirus pandemic began, even as companies across the country have cut wages. The average work day is now 48 and a half minutes longer, meaning employees are at work at, for an average of 4 more hours per week, according to a study of 3.1 million workers by researchers at Harvard and New York University published by the National Bureau of Economic Research. Some cities like Chicago and Los Angeles have seen their average work day decrease since the, since its peak in the spring. But longer hours remain the status quo in cities like New York, San Jose, and many, and many European cities. The, stu- the study which analyzed anonymous email and calendar data from workers at more than 21,000 companies in 16 global metropolitan areas also found that the number of meetings has increased by 13%, though the length of meetings fell by about 11%. <laughs>
0: People can't so wait to
5: more, leave them. So more frequent meetings, but uh, less less being done.
0: But yeah, less substantial, meaningful ones.
5: Exactly. We're
1: going to ta- take up more of your time, but less of your time. But talk about less.
0: Yeah, get less done. Yeah. Um, this article is really great just because, I mean, you'd think, you know, with this whole change up, you know, the benefit now is... Some people are getting to work from home, etc Some, most of us have to, you know, yeah. still go out there and work, you know, in grocery stores and restaurants, etc But now even, you know, people that are working from home, they find, they found a way to make it as more willing as possible. There, you know, I saw another article where they're like recording how many keystrokes you make, like within a certain time, Yeah. How when you, you know, if your webcam, you know, if you leave your camera too long, like it, it sends a signal to you know your manager, oh they've been away from the camera for 20 minutes, so it's like yeah they found fa- they found a way to it's make it prison
1: like super and in, super intrusive.
0: Yeah,
2: it's like
1: as long as as long as productivity doesn't fall, you should be free to do what you want to do in your own home. And even if productivity falls, fuck you.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can't, you shouldn't be allowed to spy on your employees
2: to We're force the middle of a
1: group. To work. Exactly. You should know what the fuck I'm doing in my home.
2: Yeah. Literally nobody else's business.
5: So I'll pick up a little bit down. Yeah. Though the shift to remote work has provided additional flexibility and allows workers to save time on commutes, workers are plugged in more than ever. Quote. People are afraid. The fear around your job and around the economy. I want to make sure managers know I'm constantly responding to emails and messages and I'm always on Slack. It's a toxic brew of burnout and overwhelm. So, yeah, I can definitely attest to this because uh, my mom has been working from home uh, ever since the pandemic started. And uh, Same even though she uh, doesn't have to do like the more than half hour commute to work now, uh, she definitely spends more time than that commute would have taken working additional hours at home. Oh yeah. You kidding me? Just because, you know, all her work is now just there. Right. And another thing is a lot. And it's like, it's, it's Mm -hmm. like there's less of a chance to, you know, get away from it. You know, oh, luckily yeah. she's on she's on her uh you know one one time break for the the whole year right now nice but one thing yeah, i want to add
1: really quick is um <laughs> another thing about uh like working from home a lot of people um like that that like people that work from home um some of them you know still aren't practicing social distancing wearing masks are going out they're getting coronavirus they're getting laid off people are just uh choosing to cash in all their uh all their paid time off, all their PTO, their sick hours. And um the people that are still working have to pick up the Slack. And um where my mom or uh, my mom works, um she has she has started doing uh, overtime and all the people that are still at work are doing overtime because um so many people are just uh deciding to call out of work and, and not show up and cash in all their PTO at once to take these uh, prolonged vacations and it's leaving other workers out to dry and causing them to do even more work from home than they would have been doing normally which is, yeah, it's crazy and it's no hazard pay they're still, but they're busting their ass harder than they normally would for the same it's, it's, it's ridiculous
0: maybe a, a great last quote from that article just a little bit down uh, quote is it working for ho- from home or living at work, or both. Yeah, what a nightmare! <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't think of a worse sentence. I don't know. <laughs> you guys want to move on to the? Uh, the yeah, let's the go. Let's. Go.
1: Yeah, so we have a we have a video here that Carlos is gonna take the lead on and combo with Jake in. I might uh, I might hop in here the in there, but yeah, Carlos, go ahead and take it. This is all you
5: so uh th- welcome to our uh weekly richard wolf segment <laughs> yeah
0: yeah might as well
5: i'd like you know ideally i'd like to do one every week you know at least something just because you know he's been a professor for so many decades and he's got a a lot of wisdom out there to teach us
0: has so many interviews with other people too that we can do also so,
5: so yeah. uh yeah i got a video here uh this one's a little old from uh pretty much like right after the last crash in uh, 2008. So just to give you a little context, and you know, we'll start it.
3: Are a creation of human,
5: Whoops. human, human,
3: human beings are a creation of human beings. Through most of the history of the human race, goods and services were not distributed by markets. It's a relatively infrequent institution for distribution. Even today, all kinds of limits and and uh, institutions exist, arrangements exist, where goods and services are are distributed from person A to person B, from the producer to the consumer, but not by means of a market. And by market, I mean a kind of quid pro quo. I'll give you three of these oranges, you give me two shirts. I'll give you four pieces of dollar, and you give me a hamburger. That kind of, that's a market way of distributing I'm not going to give you the hamburger, that is I'm not going to, I'm the hamburger maker, I'm not going to distribute it to you, the hamburger consumer, unless you give me something in return that satisfies me. That's a market arrangement. hamburger. And and you really kind of all know that we don't like markets in all kinds of situations. We don't create a market, we in fact block a market when we don't like it. There's nothing magical, let me give you an examples. I can see from your faces, I need to. (laughs) So the one I like most, I'll start with, is the example, because it's the month of November, it's the example of the Thanksgiving dinner. You gather with your grandma and your mother, and you sit around the table, and mother, because I'm talking about a traditional family, has been slaving over the stove all day, making the turkey stuffing it and glazing it and all the things you do with a turkey. And now, now, having made the turkey, she gathers the family and an interesting act occurs. The turkey made by the producer, Mama, is going to be distributed to all the members of the family. Here's something Mama is not going to do charge you for it <laughs> you well, it's very important you're not going to distribute the turkey by means of a market exchange you're not and similarly at the end of the meal when everyone has eaten too much that's part of the tradition of course everyone's kind of ill <laughs> too much <laughs> tryptophan if you know the chemical that's actually in that bird and then mama in a moment perhaps of weakness reached, reaches across the table and says to you, because you're a nice young person, would you please take out the the trash that we've accumulated during the meal? But you, having just come back from college and your economics course, where you learned about the efficiency of a market, you're quick to answer, sure ma, four dollars. (laughs) Because you're going to distribute to her the service of removing the garbage, and you want that this service be distributed to a person who has the money to make the quid pro quo market exchange. But surprised by this, your father, having witnessed this, reaches across the table and smacks you in the face. (laughs) And then he gives you a very profound lesson in economics. And here's how it goes. Here's how it goes. That's disgusting, <laughs> he said, looking at your eyes. What are you doing? Now, watch the words. This is a family. We love each other. We do this. Mama made the turkey. She passed it to you. She asks you to help. We. We're a fit. We love each other, we want to help each other. We, Mama wanted to make the turkey, you should want to help out with the garbage. If we actually related to one another by paying each other quid pro quo for the job, that wouldn't be a loving relationship, that would be disgusting. Imagine if that philosophy operated outside the house, too. Think a minute. If there's a contradiction between love and markets, what an idea! Whoa! Just imagine where that could go. And you know all the other exceptions, too, right? There's nothing absolute about a market. We declare markets in certain things utterly illegal. If I walk up to one of you and suggest certain intimate acts together, and you say to me, fine, $12, Uh, we got a problem. That's illegal. (laughs) That's a market exchange. No, mustn't do. And the argument is the same. The argument in our culture is sex between us should be a matter of love, desire, affection, but it should not be (gasps) a financial transaction, a market That is, you go to jail for that. Not everywhere.
1: And those we'll sell people and who
3: insist on engaging in that <laughs> have to hide it. Have to keep it away because they can get into a lot. We forbid market transactions. <laughs> Sex, in drugs, in a whole lot of transactions. Wow. Here's another one to think about. A corporation needs a law. <clears throat> It goes to the people who make laws, our congressmen and women. And it says, how much? How much? I need a law. How much? If the congressman and woman says $15,000, they go to jail if they're caught. That's an illegal market transaction. We require them to go into enormous contortions to get this transaction done in such a way that there's no record of there having been the transaction that there was. What a strange arrangement. What a strange arrangement. So, we don't allow market, we don't believe markets are some magical institution. But here's the best part. Even where we let markets go, let's remember what a market is. A market is not what is taught in the university. It's not about supply and demand. Markets do not supply what people demand. They supply what people can afford. That's a very different thing. We can easily here come up with the demands we think a society like ours has for goods and services to be produced. That's not what is in being produced, that's not what's gonna be produced. What's produced is where the money is. So now let's go back to what the CBO told us. Over the last 30 years, the 1% at the top are getting twice as much of the income. That means that goods and services, twice as many of them as before, are going to be used to supply the demand of that 1%. And the other 99% with 10% less of the income are going to get less of what they need and want. That's what the market does. It validates and reinforces the distribution of income. Yeah. So
1: yeah, uh, Richard Wolf is a fucking genius, by the way.
5: <laughs> oh yeah,
1: like absolute, okay. just
5: yeah, nail smart on dude. head, wisdom, yeah. incredibly smart just man. Just like Carlos Lay- said. lays it out in a way you can clearly understand.
2: Yeah,
5: bilingual daddy.
0: Yeah, love, love among other things. You know, there's there's no need for transaction. The transaction there. <laughs>
5: I think the, yeah, the part where he said, you know, if, if love and markets are fundamentally contradictory, then, uh, you know, what does that say about all the markets we have?
0: Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, what an idea. Yeah.
5: If they're all working against the, you know, the pursuit of love, you know, and uh, in America, you know, divorces are at a record high.
1: And, uh, one of the biggest causes of divorce is financial struggle.
5: Yep. Absolutely.
1: So it's almost like, and that's is the issue.
5: And also, like the example he brought forth, like you could see how, like, if you play the logic out, and the the family situation just becomes, you know, transaction after transaction. You know, there's no love there. Yeah. You know, your family's like no better than a customer, mm-hmm. some like random person.
0: Exactly. Uh,
5: it's just it's disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. This Huge. Disgusting. He was really young there.
0: Not really, but he looked pretty young there. The jacket was more tweedy.
5: You can tell the last 10 tweety. years he really. he's really aged. <laughs> a lot uh, of stress, I can imagine.
0: That's a... Feels like all of us.
5: Yeah. <laughs> trying you to get into people's
2: brains.
0: Yeah, no shit. Um, do we want to move on to the
2: yeah, yeah yeah just uh, please talk about 20 the uh... minutes into the stream Not bad, All right. not
5: bad. We're, we're doing
1: not good not we got bad. a couple more articles and then we're gonna let everybody go
2: um,
0: The postal service has been the hot topic lately but uh oh, I guess goodness. what's not really being talked about well obviously it's being talked about recently because you know Trump and his administration are now going after the Postal service further and trying to, you know, privatize it and dismantle it. But, you know, as seen here, it's been happening for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, everyone's given Trump this ability to probably, you know, it wouldn't be surprising if he somehow swayed the uh, coming election. Um, It's interesting, people that are, like, trying to call that the... uh, Like, oh, that's gonna be the point that, like, you know, the catalyst for everyone finally standing up and doing something to me. I don't know, that's absurd because even if he wins, I think it's just gonna be like the same, you know? No, yeah, waiting for the next catalyst, but it's really just we're already in the next moment before we know it. Um, Oh, we don't have no institution to channel, you know, this right now, at least,
1: yeah. I mean, what's happened to the Postal Service probably isn't going to get reverted, but everybody's going to stop talking about it if Joe Biden wins. Everybody's just going to be like, oh, everything's OK now.
0: Yeah. Or if Trump right. sways it and wins, people will be like, yeah, you
5: know. yeah.
4: <laughs>
5: or I think the, the part that no one I hear no one talk about with this election is what if it is just, you know, another Obama where Joe Biden, you know, keeps the economy afloat for another four, you know, if he gets reelected eight yeah. years. And then, you know, the same, you know, dissatisfaction with him will still be there. It, it won't go away. And then, you know, who are the Republicans going to have? Yeah, you're going to
0: cough up some new demagogue.
1: The next Trump will be much worse.
0: And the economy will just fucking implode again because this shit's not working. So
5: until we do system change, you know, if we just if we try to keep this system afloat, yeah. it's arguably worse than, you know, letting it fall apart now so that we can at least, you know, try to do something with it while there's still time left.
0: Yeah. Um, Let's read a little bit from the article. Yeah. It's from popularresistance.org. Protect the vote and end privatization of the Postal Service. Uh, As we warned earlier earlier in the year, the U.S. Postal Service is failing due to a long-term effort to weaken it, plus the confluence of the COVID-19 pandemic recession, and intentional efforts by the Trump administration to suppress the vote. Members of Congress and state leaders are starting to take notice because of the magnitude of the crisis and public outcry, particularly over valid concerns that mail-in voting will be disrupted. Now is the time to not only protect the vote, but to end privatization and selling off of the U.S. Postal Service and expand it as a critical public institution that provides high-quality jobs and services to all communities rich and poor urban and rural across the country um, the long push to dismantle and privatize the post office uh, the post office is mandated in the constitution it is a critical service and a public good that has been provided to all people with the passage of the 1981 budget the u.s postal service was required to be self-funded from its revenues alone without support through taxes which it was able to achieve until the pandemic in fact, for more than 200 years, it has been solvent despite being the target of big banks and profiteers. Uh, Ellen Brown describes the long history of the plan to dismantle and privatize the U.S. Postal Service, going back to 1910, when the Postal Savings Bank Act was passed to provide a safer alternative for people after the banking crash of 1907. The big banks were upset by the competition from a postal bank. Which, um, side note, we you know we never see freaking public postal banks anymore it's a solution we could use uh in 1966 the postal banks were dismantled after a series of laws were passed beginning in the new deal era which strengthened the private banks and gave them an, an advantage over postal banks profiteers searching for more public entities to loot as they have done with water education healthcare, and more have long viewed the post office as a fertile field for making money if they could weaken it enough so it would fail. A serious step in this direction was taken in 2006 with the so-called Postal Accountability and Enhancement Act. The PAEA was sponsored by two Republicans and two Democrats. It passed in the House with the full support of the Democrats, including Congressman Bernie Sanders, one Democrat abstained. Most of the Republicans supported it. 20 voted against it. It then went to the Senate where it passed with unanimous consent, a, pr- a procedure used when Senators do not want to be held accountable for their vote. Uh, a requirement of the PAEA is that the Postal Service must prefund all of its retirement funds, including health benefits, for the next 75 years. Uh, no business is required to go to this extreme, and two-thirds of Fortune uh, 1000 businesses don't prefund retirement at all. This cost the UPS over 5.5 billion each year. Uh, one of the first impacts of the PAEA was that 65,000 postal workers lost their jobs in 2009. Crazy. Yeah. Um, the USPS is one of the largest employers of African Americans in the U.S. This continued throughout the Obama administration as almost half of the postal processing plants were shuttered. Local post offices had their hours reduced by 25 to 75% and 3700 post offices were closed the move to end saturday mail delivery was attempted and stopped a, a total of 150,000 postal workers lost their jobs under, let me read that one again a total of 150,000 postal workers lost their jobs under obama and those who remained had their wages cut
1: so just further proof that the only time bipartisan legislation is passed is when it just fucks over people. Yeah. Thanks. And Obama. obviously,
0: yeah, yeah, Trump's a piece of shit for furthering this, you know, destruction of the post office. But Obama not only fucking helped give us Trump, now he's gonna quite possibly help him get reelected. Mm-hmm. Fuck Obama, <laughs> like.
1: Fuck Obama.
0: Fuck Obama. Um. Yeah, that's all we need to read that. The rest of the article is great, though. I really recommend um, Fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's. It, I mean, all the way to yeah, the early nineteen hundreds, they've been trying to go after this, and then you know, since the eighties, and then you know, early two thousands, they've that that the two thousand six one, the Postal Accountability and Enhancement Act,
4: it's brutal.
5: Ever since they realized it was a vital service that people depended on. Yeah. That's money, baby, and that and they could turn into profit. Yeah, there's a lot
2: of people unemployed.
5: Yes,
1: uh, especially in such a
2: fifty yeah. thousand on the it's Obama administration.
1: and to how important the USPS is,
0: right? And even you know, as I pointed out, like you know, it had to basically self-sustain. Um, it wasn't getting tax revenue, and it still was doing it.
1: And another thing that like really that really like really fucking pisses me off is, um, you have you have Trump right now doing all this fucking anti usps propaganda, pushing this idea of privatization, and then you have this fucking. I don't want to be so critical of, of people that support Trump because a lot of them are generally, uh, like misguided. They don't know they, they or uh, there's a lot of them are a lot of them are too far gone, racist bigots, etc. But like, are still a, a part of trump's base that is just people that don't know any better and they were raised in this in this uh conservative way but yeah really fucking like what really pisses me off is this dumbass fucking base of just straight maga heads who are like who live in like these super rural fucked up areas and are just straight up like supporting trump in this effort to privatize the usps so when they don't understand that by doing this they're fucking themselves over because it's not profitable to fucking go and do all these mail routes in the fucking in the boonies in the mountains they're not going to get their fucking mail ever and they don't understand that really simple fucking concept that trump is fucking them over they're just so just lost in the sauce of just blindly supporting this fucking dumbass who they call this excellent businessman who's filed for bankruptcy multiple times like he's
0: was like wasn't he the most losing individual?
1: Yeah, like the, the MAGA brain, famous. the MAGA brain, in, in, at this point in twenty twenty, makes zero sense to me. Like being a fucking diehard MAGA boy for Trump is like is literally mind boggling to me.
0: It's because it's a death cult now. There people and, now and and, and like and another thing is oppression. like when
1: you're when you're working class or poor and supporting Trump makes no sense. If you're rich, like Kanye West. Makes perfect sense to support Trump. He's voting in your interest. That makes total sense. I totally understand it. But when you're a rural working class American person, you're struggling to pay your bills. You live in this your material conditions are terrible. They have not changed. They've not gotten better in decades because of milk toast neoliberalism and batshit crazy conservatives. You still have like it's it's like it literally insane to me that people are still so blind and
0: and Uh, Like, yeah, the whole evangelical piece too. Like, yeah, like it's because their
2: minds are just fixated on the wrong thing.
0: Yeah,
2: it's not that. It's not even that. Their life sucks,
0: so they seek unknowing destruction of their own life.
1: They're fed half.
0: They're fed half truths
1: and uncorrelated topics, like like immigration is the reason you don't have a job or etc. Like, like that's not a half truth. That's just straight up propaganda. But like these red herring things. That have nothing to do with anything. That don't actually address the material conditions of working class Americans today is so pushed by like this batshit crazy conservative party that is literally just telling you to go kill yourself, basically in a video game. I don't want to get TOS, but
0: well, l- luckily like,
1: it's it's, it's
0: mean, insane to me. Luckily, the other party wears kente cloth. So no, can...
1: yeah, they do kente cloth while voting <laughs> to increase police spending, uh, cool. and yeah, it's and the lack of the lack of care. Uh, when talking about not only yourself and your and the conditions that you face every day, but your brothers and sisters who are also workers, the fellow laborer has just been so fucking shit on for decades, and nobody's really paying attention to the root causes of what causes everything to collapse. Nobody's talking about how wages have been stagnant since the '70s in mainstream media. Nobody's talking about how um, we still like tens of thousands die to from lack of health care. Children, thousands of children die every year. I think that, I think the number is uh, like, I think it caps out of like 65,000 or something every year from lack of basic healthcare. And then um, I think in 2014, something was published that like, I want to say 9,000, but I might be, I might be, I might have the numbers wrong. Like 9,000 children from lack of basic health care die every year. And it's, it's like, it's insane that. We're just so fed this propaganda of oh, we need to free up the market, less government regulation and the, the the businesses will take care of us. And it's it's insane to me. And it's it's like it's hard to comprehend how people just don't realize like, oh like they're oh, it's the corporations that are fucking us. Oh maybe we should focus on making sure every 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 person, not just citizen. If if you come here you should have healthcare. Um We should grant amnesty to all of our undocumented brothers and sisters because no human's illegal. We should make sure everybody has the right to uh, a free and well education. We should make sure that everybody has a decent wage that they can survive off without having to work fucking insane hours and two jobs, three jobs. We should fix our criminal justice system. So, so... Uh, our minority communities aren't over-policed and over-arrested and given longer sentencing when accounted for all other factors doing the same crime as white people, and they're still getting longer sentences, harsher sentences, and, yeah, control for all other factors. And, but yeah, it's, it, yeah, the, I don't know. I, I don't want to go on too long, but yeah, just the insane amount of propaganda that we've been fed since we were literally children uh, is crazy, and it shows... Because we've made zero progress in the United States. We do this incremental, incremental over to the window, shift to the left, and then it's just absolutely dunked on by conservatives because the contemporary Democratic Party is so fucking terrible that they continue to lose to these fucking idiots. And then all that little bit of progress that we made is usually just reversed. Yeah, yeah I, they're all one party. It's, elitist versus the, it's, a, it's the elitist versus us. And we're losing. And we need to change that. And one of our biggest... Possibilities of making huge change was in Bernie Sanders, and he was absolutely cucked by the establishment. And um, Trump rightfully pointed it out, and he did it last election too. Like the, everybody, even his dumbass, can see that the entire establishment coalesced around Biden and Hillary to fuck him over. And uh, like I said, I'll stop after this, but um, in every single exit poll, when the when the primaries were still going on, it showed that Medicare for all was insanely popular, and it always reached at least majority support in every state that was there was an exit poll for while the primaries were still going on before they were suspended. Um, and in a lot of those states where the exit polls showed Medicare for all was popular and that they wanted it, Joe Biden still won them, specifically Super Tuesday states. And it's just when the news feeds cycle after cycle day day in and day out that. Joe Biden is more electable than Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is this evil, scary socialist that wants to give you health care and completely destroy the private health care system, and so many people lose their jobs, even though he has uh, rehabilitation programs to get them into different fields, et cetera. But um, our real chance at left ex- like a uh, left in the executive branch was just completely torched, and uh, it's really important, uh, regardless of where you where you live, when you see this. Um, where you're going to live after you see this, take deep care and really understand local politics. Make sure you know who your mayor is. Make sure you know who your representatives are in Congress and the House, and uh, for your districts and etc. Just sh- if we can't win an executive, we have to we have to push to make sure the states can be the best they can be, and force our executive to. To concede to us, and we don't settle for less when it comes to uh, state and local elections. Never settle for less. If you if you seriously, in a militant way, unify around one candidate that you truly believe in that fights for your issues, you can win. And we have to never never stop fighting, basically. And so yeah, I don't want to take up any more time. Uh, we'll go into this last thing, or the one second to last thing, and then we'll uh, we'll continue.
0: Um, we can skip the video for now, for let But just go to the last. Yeah. We'll, we'll bring that one up next. time. Definitely. It's it's too hard. It's too harsh of a transition.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I guess also just go to the uh, the last quote. This is a piece um, Mr. Hedges wrote the other day, Chris Hedges. Um, I guess I'll just kind of read it as a send off paragraph. You guys are down with that or read it and then maybe your final thoughts yeah, yeah. whatever you do, yeah okay. it's the, the the last paragraph okay um right. it is up to us to abolish the american kleptocracy it is up to us to mount sustained acts of mass civil disobedience to bring down the empire it poisons the world as it poisons us If we mobilize to build an open society, we hold out the possibility of beating back these crisis cults, as well as slowing and disrupting the march towards ecocide. This requires us to acknowledge, like those protesting in the streets of Beirut, that our kleptocracy, like Lebanon's, is incapable of being salvaged. The American system of inverted totalitarianism, as the political philosopher Sheldon Walden called it, must be eradicated if we are to rest back our democracy and save ourselves from mass extinction. We need to echo the chants by the crowds in Lebanon, calling for the wholesale removal of its ruling class. Koyan Yani Koyan, everyone means everyone. Uh, anyone want to say anything before we, yeah, dip out? Um,
1: I think we let him marinade with that. Um, I'm definitely gonna marinate with that. That was a beautiful.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, you can you can we'll have the all the links in the YouTube
1: in the in the YouTube page. upload when it comes out to that
0: one's you can find it on Shared Post. I think that's where he's doing stuff you now.
1: s c h e e r post dot com. But yeah, uh thank you everybody for watching. Sorry I went on a little too long. They really we forgot to get to one video. Um, yeah, it I was like, just so. a weird, yeah we
0: can we can flush it out more next time too. Yeah. We can but, yeah. uh
2: well, I want we'll, to think, we'll we'll have it on next part. It's it's
0: more of a discussion about, you know, violence and nonviolence. So we can Yeah, we, uh, yeah, that's that's something. Maybe, maybe it's not another video or, or a
2: book
1: or something. But yeah, uh, definitely thank you to everybody who watched, everybody who stayed until the very, very end. I, uh, we all really appreciate it. We thank you for all the support. We thank you for the follows. I think we got a couple tonight. That was pretty awesome. We, we're ending the stream here at 10 viewers, which is really cool. Uh, yeah, thank you guys all so much for staying till the very end. Um, but, again, super, like, super thank you to all the support. Like, it, it really means a lot. Uh, and, that like, everybody says that, but, you know, it's super important that you understand that we, we appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much. We'll be back next Wednesday. Thank, thank, you. thank you all.